Well, it is an honor to be sharing today as it is the first Sunday of the new year. Very exciting times here at Harbor. And, you know, there's something very exciting about the start of a new year, right? That it sort of represents this time of refreshing, this clean slate, this starting anew. So, you know, I'm a fan of the new year, but I will tell you what I don't particularly love uh, about the new year is sort of this like illusion that's vocalized at this time. I'm sure you guys have heard it. I know that you guys like would never say it, but um, it's this really cute little saying, um, new year, new me. Y'all heard it? Right. Um, Again, I know that you guys would never say that, but like, you know, those people, right? And the idea just seems to be that like all of a sudden, because it's January 1st, like all my problems, all my issues, all my bad attitudes, they're just, there's no longer a problem uh, because new year, new me, right? And um, this whole idea just causes me to ask the question, like why we as humans, uh, myself included, wait till the start of a new year to begin what we could have begun in July or really at any other point in time, Um, but no judgment because because again, like same here. Um, But I think this whole idea sort of creates this unrealistic expectation that like the problems of last year maybe aren't, you know, going to be a problem this year or the things that I actually neglected to deal with, you know, they're not going to be an issue this year because like new year, new me. And um, I just sort of feel like there's just like like again, not y'all, but like those people who are waiting for like the first like minorly bad thing to happen to like write the year off and be like, oh, it's just like last year. And then they're like holding out for 2023 and it's like January 12th, right? It's a whole thing. But that's why I loved last week's message where we talked about the necessity and how important it is that we actually maintain momentum in our life, right? That we would understand that, yes, each new year is a gift and the newness of salvation is certainly a gift and the things that God is stirring in your life is a gift. And yet in the same reality, it's on you and I that we play a part in actually maintaining that God vision for our life. We play a part in stewarding what's been given to us. We play a part in in recognizing the priorities God's made clear for your life and for your family and, and for your marriage. And because if not, we end up in this cycle year after year where we've set up these goals and we've set up these expectations and not that setting goals is bad or the desire to become better. It's certainly a great thing. But if we haven't prioritized maintaining a pursuit of Jesus, then we are missing the main thing. We're missing the point and we end up right back where we started year after year feeling defeated because no matter how many goals we meet, no matter how many you know things we have to stand on as successes if Jesus is not the main thing it all comes up empty if he isn't the main thing if he isn't central to our lives and actually the hope that has been made available and accessible to us is that even in the reality that there may be challenges that we face this year there may be uh, you know disappointing moments that as a follower of Jesus we can still maintain hope we can still maintain joy we can still maintain belief because of the hope that we have in Christ 
And that's why today we felt so very necessary to start this year off talking about how vital the act of prayer is in our life. That prayer is actually the very thing that keeps us in a posture of pursuing after Jesus. That it's foundational to our relationship with God. That it is the source of any ability to maintain any uh, momentum in our life. And I think that's why... It's so incredible when we look at the life of Jesus, uh, God in human flesh, that he continually prioritized prayer. He, he continually modeled for us in his, own, in his own life the ongoing necessity of it. And we see this all throughout the story of Jesus, not just in one singular moment, but continually, it's, it's clearly in view all throughout his story. It's weaved into both the mundane and most pivotal moments of Jesus' life. And so this week, I want us to look at a really pivotal moment in Jesus' life where we see very clearly his resolve to prayer, that in one of his most challenging moments, he still saw prayer as the priority for his life. He still saw it as the most necessary thing. And looking in Mark chapter 14, it's the last week of Jesus' life, and we get a look into what's known as the Last Supper, and it's a very awkward uh, supper at that because, you know, they're sitting around the table together, and Jesus tells his guys that, like, you know, one of you is going to betray me. And, you know, the disciples, they start, they're like, well, Jesus, like, is it me? He's like, no. And the other guy's like, is it me? And he's like, no. And then sure enough, it gets to Judas, and he's like, is it me? And Jesus like, yep, you said it. And I just feel like this would be like a really uncomfortable moment, right, where we're like all sitting here. And I just feel like after this this moment, it would just be hard to move on, but they do. And uh, after this eventful dinner, they set out to the Mount of Olives, and we pick up the story in Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 27. It says, then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. And on the way, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, I will never deny you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, this awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Verse 36, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 
Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. I can relate. When he returned to them the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But no, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. We see here in this moment such a a clear contrast in the result of Jesus' continual and and consistent commitment to prayer versus the disciples' neglect of prayer in this moment. And I think that we too can get uh, such a clear understanding of the way that our own life is affected when we are choosing to either be people of prayer or when we are living prayerless lives. And the first thing that we can see so clearly here in this image is that being people of prayer will cause us to live submitted while being prayerless will cause us to live enforcing. We see in verse 34, Jesus' life submitted as a result of prayer. He says, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Then he went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And it's such a, an honest and raw moment where Jesus isn't denying what he wants in this moment. He isn't uh, denying the, the pain and the anguish of this moment where uh, he's not denying his desire for something else. In fact, he acknowledges that he does not want this suffering, that he would rather it not be this way. He acknowledges his want, yet even so, he he submits to the Father's will. He submits to the Father's way. He submits to the Father's wisdom. He says, God, I submit to what you want, even in wanting something else. And it's noteworthy to point out that the disciples who walked with Jesus, them being of Jewish um, descent, they grew up praying. They had these specific prayers memorized for these occasions and and specific moments, and they were men of prayer, right? This wasn't new to them, and yet in Luke chapter 11, they say to Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. There was something so recognizably different about the fruit of Jesus' life that the disciples who grew up praying, their whole lives were praying, they say, Jesus, teach us to pray, to know how to do the thing that we have always done in the recognition that there is something entirely different here. They ask Jesus and he gives them the model. He starts with, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And in this very pivotal moment, we see that Jesus lives this out. He says, in spite of my desire, Father, your will be done. We pick up where Judas has come to betray Jesus, and he's to be arrested and taken away. And it says in verse 47, then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus took out his sword and struck the high priest slave, slashing off his ear. 
And it's clear that while Jesus was in a posture of submission to the Father's will, the prayerless disciples in this moment are trying to enforce their own will. And that's exactly what happens when we are living prayerless lives. It will cause us uh, to do this sort of thing because our heart can't possibly be aligned with the Father's will when we're striving to enforce our own. When we're trying to control outcomes and make sure all these things happen and make sure it's in the timing that we think best, when we're trying to control it and in the wisdom that we know and we aren't posturing our lives in prayer, we, we begin to react. And we can get so out of alignment, so eager to control the outcome that, uh, and the way that we think best that we find ourselves acting in responses that we never thought we would. Like I can imagine this disciple's shock in this moment of like, whoa, that was, that was out of line. He, he might have been shocked after what he had done, what had taken over in that moment and, and the way he acted out of character because he wasn't steadied under the presence of God through prayer. He wasn't aligned with the Father's will in this moment. Not only does prayer determine whether or not we're going to be submitted to God's will or striving to enforce our own, but it also determines whether or not we will be aware or blind to our need. In this moment, Jesus had, he had asked them to stay and to watch with him. And when he returns to them, he finds them asleep. And he says in verse 37 to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And it's interesting that he calls him Simon in this moment, almost as a reminder to remember his human weakness, to lean into the source of strength that he will soon need. He's saying, Peter, be aware that your heart may be willing, but you have to be built up in spirit. And one reason that it's so necessary for us to remain living lives of prayer is because it keeps us in a continual posture of humility. It keeps us aware of our ever ongoing need for the Father, for what only he can give, for the strength that only he can provide, for the resolve that only he can sustain, for the obedience that only he can initiate in us. And what a humbling reality that if Jesus knew that he needed to keep watch and pray, how much more so you and I. And Jesus demonstrates here the value of prayer, that it is a spiritual priority in this moment that outweighs the physical need of this moment. And how often do we not see the, the spiritual priority in choosing something else? Disciples were choosing something else in this moment because they uh, deemed it more valued. They deemed it uh, uh, more necessary. They deemed it more important because uh, prayer causes us to remain aware of our need. But if we're not in a in a posture of prayer, we we can start to um, we can start to overestimate our ability. And Jesus told Peter, hey, remember your need. I know that you say you're willing, but the flesh is weak. This is the reality. And earlier, Jesus tells his disciples, listen, you're going to desert me. And in verse 29, Peter says to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Peter says, no, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. 
And all the others vowed the same. It's clear in this moment that Peter isn't remaining in a posture of need. He says, oh, I would never. And when we begin to step out of a posture of need, we begin to overestimate our ability. We, get, we begin to think too highly of what we can handle instead of remaining humble before the Lord in our great um, need and, and this awareness that we lack without him. And I think Jesus is, is trying to teach them, hey, don't wait to pray until you see the need for it. Prayer is not your reaction to what's happened, but it is your, your um, priority in preparing for what is to come. And lastly, prayer will cause us to be surrendered. While living a prayerless life will cause us to be scattered. The men sent by the leading priest and, and the elders, they come with Judas. And in Matthew 26, Jesus says, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. And Jesus says, don't you realize that I could ask my father to send thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scripture be fulfilled for what is to happen now? And in this moment, Jesus is literally surrendering. And it's a, a physical picture of what our internal posture has to be. A posture that only comes by prayer of, of continual surrender, of learning uh, to trust God in spite of what we maybe don't see now. What we're believing for but haven't yet experienced and a posture that invites him in to strengthen our belief in whatever he's promised, to remind us of the faithfulness that he's already shown to be true. And, and prayer teaches us this act of surrendering, of trusting that he really is who he says he is, that he really is as good as he says that he is, that he's worthy of our trust. And on the other hand, living prayerless will lead us to living scattered. In Mark 14, 50, it says, Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. Another version says that they all scattered. And this, too, is, is a physical picture of our life when we aren't submitted to prayer. We're scattered. We're disconnected from the source. We, um, we find ourselves disconnected and bound to everything that is not in him. We find fear instead of peace. We find despair instead of hope. We find empty pursuits instead of a relationship with Jesus. We find striving instead of contentment. But when we say yes to a life that values prayer, we find that he is the source of everything that we need. And that's why today it's so vital that we align our hearts with a commitment to prayer, that we would understand that prayer literally shifts the posture of our heart, that it takes us from enforcing our will to submitting to his own, that it takes us from being blind to our need to the continual awareness that is so humbling that we need Jesus, from living scattered to living surrendered. And I found that there is great joy, not just in, in our personal life of prayer, but in the gift that we get to sh share with one another. And a few weeks ago, a few of us were, were together and, and someone was sharing just a struggle that they've been walking through in life for quite a long time now. And, you know, I think in those moments we can, can be like, you know, that's really tough and, and our heart breaks for that. But someone in the group was like, you know what, can we, 
can we actually pray for you? And this person I'm sure has been prayed for time and time again, but he said, yes, I would love that. And it just reminded me of like the power that we have, that we get to enter into the presence of the living God, that we don't get to, we don't have to sit hopeless and and helpless, but we can come before the King of Kings and say, God, here is my need. Here is my struggle. Here's the thing that, that has caused me pain. And and my friend, she, she just so boldly began to pray. And we're sitting uh, in a restaurant and I think prayer just brings like a level of boldness and we all just begin to pray. We all just begin to to speak out in faith and to encourage this person in their spirit. And you know, it was an amazing time and, and our waiter came over after and he was like, that was awesome. And um, it was just this really cool moment, this really humbling reminder that like, the hope that we have is incredible. Like the the joy that we have for what's to come, the hope that we have is worth sharing. It's not something to hide. It's not something to be ashamed of. And and I just feel like that's what prayer does. Maybe maybe you say like, I've never been like, you know, somebody who really prays out loud or I just encourage you this year, it's not about how you sound. It's not about saying the right words, but it's about saying, God, I'm, I'm activating the faith that I've been given. God, I'm stepping into what you have made accessible to me that I don't have to live hopelessly that I don't have to live and say well I don't have the answer we have the answer in Christ and it was just such a humbling moment of like God what you have given to us your kindness your love that you would make available to us how incredible and so this morning and the next coming weeks we're gonna have a specific uh, focus on prayer but um, today Pastor Jordan's gonna come and and we're gonna pray for one another. And I just encourage you before you ever speak anything out to in this moment, like be reminded of what has been made available to us. The joy that we have, the assurance that we have in Christ and that we get to strengthen our brother and sister in Christ when maybe they don't have it in that moment. Today coming up here, it, it, I felt, just terrified it's been a hard one and I just asked my friends outside I said can you pray for me because I cannot do this on my own I cannot do this without a reminder that Christ has has me that it's not about me that it's not about my own insufficiency or my own lack but it is about surrendering this moment to Christ and in that single moment Jesus just calmed my spirit and calmed my heart and say hey It's all about me, surrender everything else. And that's the power that a single moment when we come together in prayer, we're speaking out what is true. We're speaking against the lies, we're speaking against the fear, we're speaking against the anxiety, and we're saying, God, what do you say that is true? God, what have you promised us? God, what have you made available to us? And so this morning, we get to pray for one another. We get to join together. We get to come out of the shadows, to come out of fear, to come out of worry and say, I'm agreeing with you this morning. I'm gathering my faith with yours this morning. I'm I'm speaking out in belief when maybe you can't see it for yourself in this moment. So God, we thank you that we get to come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, that you are so holy and worthy, Father. And we get to come before you, Jesus. In our lack and in our need, God, and, and be surrounded by a holy God who loves us. And so we thank you this morning that we get to agree together, Jesus. We thank you, Father.